and welcome back to the PNY Pro Podcast. My name is Jerome, and today I'm here with Derek Ellis. Hello, hello. And today we have some special guests. We have Matt and Kelly from the Puget team. Can you guys actually just introduce yourself? I'm Kelly Shipman. I'm one of the lab techs here at Puget Systems. I specialize in 3D workflows from 3D content creation, rendering, and game engines um, for game development and virtual production. Uh, yeah, so good morning, guys. Uh, so I'm also in our labs department, uh, and my focus is more on media and entertainment. Um, and just a little bit of a background on the whole labs team. Uh, it's basically, so Puget Systems, we do workstations and servers for a wide number of verticals. And the labs team is basically our foot in reality of what are people doing in the real world? What hardware is out there? And making sure they line up um, so that, you know, we're actually doing the right systems for different workflows. Well, Matt and Kelly, I'm excited to have you guys on this episode. Um, we have a great partnership. We got to do a lot of uh, activities together. We did the virtual event with uh, View Talma Virtual Production, mm -hmm. highlighted you know RTX solutions and in that space. Then also we had uh, we got to check out your booth at Seagraph, which was phenomenal. I got to speak with Eric. We did an interview with you guys. So really looking forward uh, to this episode and diving a little bit more. So I guess to kind of kick things off, um, tell us a little bit about Puget Systems, like who you are and you know what do you, what do you have to offer? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so Puget, we've been around for just over 20 years now. Uh, but for a long time, we were very much, you know, in parents' basement kind of a, a company. We started very small, uh, doing general computing stuff. Uh, we pivoted probably 12 years or so ago away from like general computing and gaming over to the more professional side uh, because we just saw there was a, a void there. There were the big guys, uh, but there wasn't really too many smaller people and who, people who wanted to be very transparent. Um, and that's a big thing for us is transparency. So, you know, we have all of our workstation sales, our consulting support uh, production department. I mean, they're all absolutely terrific. That's why people keep coming back. Uh, but we also have our labs team where we do a lot of research and a lot of publishing of the results of that research. So new video cards come out, new CPUs come out, uh, new workflows come out, like virtual production is a big one. Uh, AI is a big one for us recently. Um, and then just like, what does it take to do those? Because uh, maybe some of those big guys know, uh, but they uh, hold on to that <laughs> knowledge mm. very closely, uh, whereas we try to share it. Uh, with everyone, whether you're a customer or not, because it's just valuable information for everyone. Right. Can you dive into a little bit more of like the product offerings? And I know, as you said, you kind of transitioned a little bit more into the professional side of things. Uh, can you talk mm -hmm. about what are the different NVIDIA offerings you guys are working with? We are predominantly an NVIDIA uh, house right now. We have a, a few AMD products, but we're predominantly NVIDIA just because of the spaces we target. NVIDIA is just so strong. Uh, but we run the gamut, everything from freelancers you know single single person studios or you know, not even a studio there but um yeah everywhere from freelancers up to mid-sized studios up to large you know b2b sales you know 100 unit you know orders uh, so we really run the gamut and when you do that wide your product line also can get very wide uh, so i mean we offer geforce cards when they make sense we offer the pro cards when you know reliability uptime compatibility and everything else is, is you know really required um, on the CPU side, we pretty much end up carrying every product line out there. I mean, Intel Core, AMD Ryzen, AMD Threadripper, Intel Xeon, uh, just because when you're targeting, again, such a wide variety of workflows and like users, you kind of have to have, you know, the wide variety of stuff because we don't want to have ever where it's just a 
single configuration, we say, what's your budget? Oh, it's 5K. Okay, here, here's the like one configuration that costs 5K. Now right. we, we get down to what are you doing? What's all the applications you work with? What you know works your workflows? And then really try to tailor it all the way down to be the exact right thing. Um, so for us, um, yeah, again, like I said, sometimes it's GeForce. Oftentimes it's the pro cards. Um, you know, the, the 6,000 ADAs uh, have been terrific for us recently. Um, and it's just sticking up with all that and making sure that the end user, when they're putting that money down, it'll actually be, you know, beneficial to them. Because, uh, man, ROI on some of these workflows is insane. Like, they'll spend, you know, if it's a 10% performance uplift, they don't care what the budget is sometimes if it's going to pay for itself in a few months. And I, I like that because it sounds like it's specialized in a sense. It's not just kind of like a pre-configured, select one, add right. to cart, and it's shipped to you. You're taking the time to say, okay, what's your workflow like? You know, what what if you're doing like modeling, 3D mm -hmm. modeling, anything like that, then, you know, GPU memory, different stuff like that all comes into consideration when building the system. So I do mm -hmm. like that. It's not like a... I'm sure you even like you mentioned you do have some systems, but like you can specialize it based off the user's needs, which yeah. I think is is huge. Yeah, it's yeah. not really one size fits all on yeah. that side of the note. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it's really tough. I mean, we do have what we call our recommended systems, um, or our recommended systems, which is basically, hey, you're doing Premiere Pro. Uh, here's a couple of like presets, and like you can't really go wrong because we won't have like a video card that doesn't make any sense for Premiere Pro or we won't have a CPU that doesn't make any sense where you'd spend more money and you'd get worse performance. Uh, but even then, uh, I don't believe you can even purchase directly off our website. I think the only thing you can do is like save a quote and then someone will you know contact you either via email or phone or, or whatever and talk because it's very rare that someone ends up configuring a system on our website and then buys exactly what they configured. Almost mm -hmm. always it gets tweaked. Um, and it's not because you know someone is, you know, it, completely unknowledgeable of what technology is out there. I mean, we have a lot of customers like that. I mean, they focus on their work, their work. They don't really care about the technology. They just wanted to get done. Uh, but even the people that do follow tech, man, there's so much misinformation on the internet. Um, okay. And a lot of it's not, you know, it's not someone trying to be wrong. It's just they're saying something that was true, you know, five years ago, or sometimes right. even one year ago, sometimes even six months ago. Yeah. And technology or the software has changed so much that that's no longer valid. So really the role of our consultants is, okay, this is what you thought you needed. Let's talk then about what you're actually doing and then tweak that to be exactly what it is you need for your actual workflow. Yeah, nice. that's really interesting. So actually, how long does that time frame take in order for someone to be like, okay, I thought I wanted this, and now you're giving me this entire configuration that a little bit works a little bit more towards my needs. Um, but how does that process actually work, and how is that fleshed out? It really depends. Um, sometimes you know it's a fairly straightforward workflow. You know, it's someone in like a video editor. They work with Common Codecs. It usually could take only you know a couple. Of emails a single phone call and cool they're good to go uh, sometimes there's uh, other workflows like uh, AI is a big one for us recently where that is changing weekly um, and you know so what's going on what are they going to need that too like they're often writing their own code so there's no like hey yeah for this one application it's like well what are you doing uh, that can take quite a bit more back and forth. Uh, some of the industries that Kelly works in uh, right now are in very big flux. You know, a lot of rendering stuff is changing. A lot of the real-time engines, you know, like Unreal Engine and how that's being used in virtual production is changing all the time. And, and that you're not even just talking like, hey, what code are you working with or anything like that? It's like, well, how big is your LED volume? How many yeah. 
you know, things you want to have. Um, so actually, Kelly, I'll hand it off to you a little bit. So in workflows, like, I know you're a part of a lot of those conversations. How, how deep mm -hmm. do you guys end up having to go on those, especially in virtual production? Uh, the virtual production side, we go pretty deep because there's virtual production is just such a wide umbrella term for a whole bunch of different things. And you're going to have to go into like, are you doing any chroma king? Are you do, shooting on a um, LED wall? Do you need five nodes or one node to run that LED wall? Do you need director node that is not connected to the LED wall? Do you need um, SMPTE cards or quadro sync cards or capture cards? Or like, there's a whole list of different ways you can do this thing, depending on what, how that studio wants to do, how, how they want to work. So we really get down into this, the real minute details of every single adding card, every single drive they have, do they need external storage? Do they need additional networking? Um, yeah, we get pretty deep into those conversations with them. And um, those are ones we definitely don't want people just clicking by off the shelf because it might not fit your needs. It yeah. likely won't, you'll need to do a bunch of other add-in cards. I guess the question for you to me, for those who are listening and might not know, when you mentioned like node, like what exactly is that? Is that like the workstation or what? what is exactly is a node? In the virtual production world, when we talk about nodes, it is the computer that is actually running the 3D scene that is being displayed on either the LED wall or being uh, comped in over a green screen. Um, so in an LED wall, you have to often have walls that are you know, 30 million pixels or greater. Um, and to do that on a single system is extremely taxing to be able to get high fidelity if you want photorealistic backgrounds and stuff like that running in real time. So often it's broken out into multiple servers that are connected together with Quadro Sync cards to be able to synchronize all of them together with the camera, with the LED wall. Um, so that way it can, each node only has to do a portion of the wall and you don't have to run 30 million pixels on one node. You can do 5 million and use four nodes to then, or whatever the math would be. Okay. It's basically like multi-monitor, right? Like I, I have three monitors on my desk. You're basically Maybe. doing that, except they need it all to be completely synced up because like, if you have mm -hmm. two monitors on your desk, like you don't really care if like, a video is slightly off um, on something. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, gaming, they do deal with this sometimes, people who do like surround video mm -hmm. or surround stuff. And, and I know NVIDIA even has some software for that, but this, you're not just doing it on a single system, you're doing it on multiple systems. And so they all have to have like a clock basically so they can tell each other, like render this frame at exactly the same time on every system. Because mm -hmm. otherwise you get screen tearing and things get weird. Um, I know sometimes you have to like sync it up with the camera so that like the refresh yep. rates don't, you don't get like flickering and weird stuff. So yeah, like Kelly was saying, it gets very complicated when you're dividing up a screen into four or eight or, or however many nodes, because the more nodes you have, the more like fidelity and the more quality you can push. So like, if you just want a background, that's just like solid color, whatever, you can push almost any resolution from a single node. You want photorealistic stuff being done in real time in Unreal Engine, you got to divide that up. Multiple nodes to run these massive LED walls, and that definitely makes you know sense. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, I guess you know, solutions from a Puget system configuration, um, you know, you do have Ampere, which is huge. I know within you have the Ampere architecture. 
Um, those you can utilize in VLink. But then also now, like we mentioned, we got to visit your booth at Seagraph. We now have like this full stack solution within the Ada generation. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, since since that launch, I know it's still fairly new. Um, you know, originally it was super high in a, the 6,000 Ada. Then we had the 4,000 SFA, which that probably wouldn't be the best use case because it's form factor and everything. But now we do have, you know, 4,000, mm -hmm. 4,500 and 5,000. So how do you see maybe these new GPUs, you know, playing a part within, I know, even if it is like media entertainment, um, another big thing is AI, AI right. training, inferencing, like all these different things that utilize, you know, the different different boards that come with different memory. Like how, how I guess mm -hmm. that's a good question. Like how important is like memory usage within like, this type of you know use case uh, so a lot of the media and entertainment world so uh, that's typically video editing uh, post-production graphic design uh, motion graphics um, often where we actually start in a lot of those workflows is how much vram do they need um, and then you know that gives you like okay here's your minimum card and then it's just a question of will that card give them the performance that they need um, to keep up with whatever workflow they they're doing so if it's a video editor and they want to work with 8K Red, okay, we already know that they're going to need probably, you know, 24 gigs of VRAM. Cool, that limits us now to, you know, like the the, the 5,000 ADA or the 6,000 ADA. Um, and then at that point, it's, okay, well, then how much performance do you need? Something like that. They probably don't need a 6,000 ADA, so they'd go with like a 5,000 ADA because that way they can spend more of their budget on storage or RAM or, or something else. Um, other times, it's give us the maximum performance you possibly can. Um, and that's usually things where it's not really being done in real time, uh, like video editing, you know, you hit play, that's real time. Uh, but it's things like noise reduction or, um, you know, these kind of like effects that are kind of applied afterwards, stabilization, you know, all that kind of jazz, upscaling uh, and that kind of thing. Often it is, yeah, how what's the most performance you can possibly give me in my budget? Um, because, you know, it could mean the difference between we're going to run it overnight or we're going to run it overnight and then also the next day. So that ends up taking two days worth of time. Uh, so in those cases, it really is just like how much performance can you give me? Um, and then sometimes uh, in the case of like DaVinci Resolve, it's also how many cards can you give me at the same time? Because uh, one of the things we've been dealing with recently is uh, performance has been pushed so far that power has also crept up. Uh, so some of the things we used to do uh, like quad GPU systems uh, it's a little bit tougher now because of uh, just power requirements. I mean, performance is so much higher per even watt. So, I mean, that, that's the good thing there is like performance per watt is still like significantly better. Uh, but for those people that really want, like, give me the most regardless of money, um, we get into some cases where it's like, okay, now we don't have to just even talk about the computer. Let's talk about like the circuits, the electrical circuits in your office to make sure you know, like you've got 20 amp circuits or that, like computer is the only thing that's going to be on that or question sometimes now is can we move this from a workstation and put it into your like server room uh, so that power and cooling is is you know can be better handled and then you can like offload things onto that server uh, in your server room so it's not just you know you know a quad 6000 ADA system sitting under your desk I mean because that's you know 1600 watts of power uh, you also have to think of that as hey that's the same as a 1600 watt space heater going on in your office 
That's like that's that's yeah. a lot of heat. Yeah. Um, a lot of performance, but a lot of heat. So it's a lot more considerations you have to get into in those like super crazy high end workflows. And even on those same workflows, um, I actually kind of wanted to dive in a little bit when it comes to like AI and machine learning and even real time rendering, uh, because I know there's a lot of cross when it comes to that. Um, I know uh, actually Kelly, can you actually touch a little bit on when it comes to real time rendering and how that kind of ties back into the different GPUs that are available for these solutions? Sure. So in real-time rendering, um, there's a number of different factors going on. Um, there's actually the computation of the scene, the 3D geometry, the textures, all that kind of stuff, and the raw horsepower needed to make those computations over time. Um, and you're talking, when we're talking about real-time, we're talking a minimum of 30 FPS or 24 if you're doing uh, syncing it with an LED wall and that's the frame rate you're going to be filming at. Um, but so you're talking 24 frames a second. So you have a 30th of a second to be able to render an entire image and refresh it again and again and again. Um, so you need a lot of just raw power to be able to make these computations. But then that goes hand in hand with the more um, triangles that are on the screen, the more textures you have, the more pixels trying to run on that system, all that stuff incrementally increases how much VRAM is needed. And um, so you're trying to get really high fidelity, really high resolution, it increases your VRAM considerably to the point where um, 24 gigs of VRAM is kind of viewed by a lot of virtual production people as bare minimum, mm -hmm. that 48 is preferred. Um, some would even prefer higher than that, but that's where we are right now is 48 is the top. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the main thing is like the more stuff you're trying to do, the more fidelity you want, the more the higher the frame rates you want, the more VRAM you're going to need. Good and know. correct yeah, me if I'm wrong, Kelly, <laughs> uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, but also like multi GPU has been um, changing quite a bit in, in virtual production, right? Because NVLink is no longer available on ADAs, correct? Correct. So um, there was a time when multi-GPU was used in Unreal Engine for virtual production by having one GPU dedicated to the inner frustum, so what is on camera, and one GPU dedicated to the outer frustum, what's outside of the camera but still in the wall. Um, without NVLink, that doesn't really work, but Unreal I've introduced a way to run multi-process rendering. So you have two instances of Unreal Engine running at the same time, one dedicated to inner one day to get outer, they don't have to be NVLink that way. Um, but now you're running two instances of Unreal Engine, which is a hefty program. So you, that means you need more uh, system memory, more cores, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it is still kind of available. It's tricky to make it work. Then you have to get that to work with um, end display and mosaic and that can kind of um, get finicky as well. Um, but yeah, it is possible to do multi-GPU. It's not like it used to be, and it's not the the multi-GPU that people think of where the two work together to render one frame. They're, in either case, it's each GPU is rendering a different image. But within the ADA generation cards, I think it has nearly almost double the L2 cache, which then kind of help mm -hmm. offset that as well. I mean, which is great. And then also too, like the FP32 compute right. is nearly, in some cases based on the card or whatever is almost double than what you might get on some of the previous yeah, Ampere yeah. generations. So um, even though you can't do that, I think that's definitely a, a good way for them to kind of 
push the boundary, push performance, because mm-hmm. um, I know, like in, like you said, in certain cases, yes, the you know, NVLink and multi GPU was popular, but now I think we're getting to that point where hopefully, you know, a single GPU is gonna be able to do like almost that same performance, if not more. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and even yeah, to- I think uh, part of it is just uh, in these emerging workflows that didn't exist a couple of years ago, at least not to the extent that they are today, you know, whether that's virtual production, AI, um, just things are changing so fast that you really have to try to keep up on. I mean, that that's our role really is to keep up on it uh, so that our customers, like we can tell them when like, no, hey, they, things have changed on either the hardware side or on the workflow side, because uh, sometimes it's, it's chicken and egg. Um, so mm-hmm. NVIDIA, was looking at NVLink and they're looking ahead possibly to like new ways of doing sync or, um, hey, maybe we don't need it anymore because we've increased performance so much. Uh, but then uh, sometimes it takes the people who are actually like doing the doing the work, actually like doing the virtual production, doing the AI research. They're used to one way and then they'll, they'll just have to like make that transition of like, oh, things have changed on the hardware side. I need to change how we're thinking about it, doing, you know, how we're doing our own work. And usually it ends up being a net net positive, uh, almost always it's a net positive, uh, but it's just taking that time. And, and I know sometimes for the end users, that can be a little bit frustrating because it's like, hey, this has been working for me for three years and now I have to change how I'm doing it. Um, that whole resistance to change is, is always very tough. Uh, but, you know, again, part of our role is to show why uh, things have changed. And so when we can say like, yeah, things have changed, but look, the hardware is 50% faster. And if you knew it, use it in this new, uh, this new way and this new workflow that adds another 50%. So like, Hey, you're not just getting a 50% performance bump. You're getting a two X performance bump that usually helps people change their tune of, Oh, I'm no longer frustrated. Now I'm excited. Um, which is a good thing. It's a good thing to be excited about new hardware, new workflows, new industries. Pro cards can still do SLI over. PCIe instead of having the physical NVLink connector on it. Um, unfortunately, PCIe 4 that the cards currently on are just a little too slow for virtual production type work to be able to make that work the way they used to. And now you do this multi-frame rendering instead. So then when PCIe 5 comes around on uh, GPUs, then this might all change again. And so um, luckily the, the virtual production world is one used to adapting to new workflows constantly because this is all being adapted from stuff that was not designed for virtual production. So everyone in the space is used to like, all right, things have changed. Hey, we found this new thing we can do. Let's incorporate this. And then all things changed again. I can do this other thing instead. It's just a constant uh, battle of uh, battle, constant experimentation of let's try something new. Let's try something new. Let's find a new workflow. How can we utilize all the power that we can from all this hardware that we have? A question I do have then, because kind of we're on the subject of multi and single GPUs. I think it was like an article I read, and there was something that how they're saying like a, a majority of configurations, and you being a, a system builder and offer these solutions. I mean, have you seen? I, I guess in, in your within your systems, do you see majority people utilizing a single GPU? Or do you still, you know, did you, I guess mainly on Ampere again with that NVLink and all that, were, were you seeing a lot more systems that were utilizing multi-GPU um, mm. configurations? Uh, these days, I, I don't have any stats or, or numbers in front of me, 
Um, but I would say probably something like anywhere from 75 to 90% of our systems are single GPU. Okay. It might even be higher. Mm. Um, just a lot of the, but you also have to keep in mind the workflows we target are very wide. Yeah. I mean, something like Photoshop, yeah, whatever. You put a low mid range GPU and most people are going to be totally fine. Um, so for those things, yeah, absolutely. There's no reason to do multi. Um, but with the power we're getting out of like the ADA generation uh, now and the, like these newer GPUs, there's not quite as much need uh, for it. Um, in some ways, I kind of think of it as, hey, that person who would have gotten dual GPUs four years ago, now they're just going to get a single GPU because it can do everything they need and cool. So it's really like the people that were getting three or four GPUs, you know, a number of years ago are the ones who are getting two GPUs. And then, yeah, the people that are getting more than two are like, those are just the people that had no actual budget. Um, you know, it's, it's all about just like, give me the most, the most I can, it'll pay for itself. Um, so it's, it's not a ton of systems we still do multi GPU for. Um, I would say it's basically AI is a big one, especially people that are trying to work with like large language models, because uh, we're, we're getting a lot of interest in that. We actually just launched a server specifically for uh, LLMs for people who want to do it on site. Yeah, they don't want to use chat GPT because you put stuff into the cloud, you have no idea kind of what goes on with it. Yeah. Um, and they want to be able to train their own models. I mean, we're even looking at that ourselves, like, hey, let's put all of our support articles into this LLM and then maybe it can help us, you know, diagnose trends and, and find, you know, and just like help get people to resolution faster. Uh, so that's a big one. AI is still for multi GPU uh, straight up rendering, you know, the, the classic renderings with, you know, V-Ray, uh, Octane Render, Red, uh, Redshift, I'm actually not sure. Uh, but definitely like V-Ray and Octane Render, um, you know, that kind of classic stuff that goes into a server. Yeah, they're going to want multi-GPUs just because scaling is nearly perfect. Um, there's some, some stuff in media and entertainment, like DaVinci Resolve workflows, some like AI scaling stuff right now has been popular, you know, taking old black and white films and either colorizing it or upscaling it to 4K, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah, lots of multi-GPUs. Uh, but those are really, I, I would say, kind of the, the main ones. A lot of other people... Again, we're getting to the point where if you can do it on a single GPU, um, it's just it's so much simpler. There's so many less things that, that can break. There's so many less things that can go wrong. You know, every time you're adding complex complexity, you know, even if it should be fine. Um, when you're dealing with everything from you know the BIOS level to Windows or, or Linux uh, to whatever applications you're working with and the drivers and the firmwares, um, it's just it increases the complexity. So we try to keep stuff as simple as we can whenever possible, just because, I mean, reliability, I would say is the number one thing in a workstation for professional use more than performance. Uh, Cause I mean, a single blue screen at the wrong time and you can wipe out an entire day's work. Uh, you know, yeah. If the system goes down and you have to send it in for repair, that's, that's terrible. Uh, mm -hmm. That's not worth, you know, a few percent. So we always try to keep it as simple as possible. Well, yes, Matt, that's a lot of great information. And I just want to say, first and foremost, thank you, Matt and Kelly, again, uh, for joining us. We are glad to have Puget Systems on the episode. And who knows, if anything comes up new in the future, we'd love to have you guys back on for another episode. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, so Jerome, tell everybody where, they, where can they find us. Yeah, so you can find us at PNY Pro on all social media accounts. Or you can also find us at Apple Music, Spotify, or all your other favorite podcasting platforms. Mm -hmm.